morning I want to begin a series with you called Discovering the Heart of God. So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Luke, the 15th chapter. And as you're turning there, let me greet our uh, campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm glad you're joining with us today. We're believing that no matter where you are, that as you receive the Word of God there, that God is going to touch your life, whether you're in Cordova, whether you're in Savannah, whether you're in Craneville or Henderson, wherever it is today, that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to take the Word of God that shall not return void, and He's going to speak into your life right where you are. The book of Luke, the 15th chapter, is where we're going to spend the next several weeks because we're going to discover the heart of God. Now, that sounds maybe a little funny to say that. You say, well, we're Christians. We live in a Christian nation. I I understand all of that, but I want to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that we do not know the heart of God. I think because of maybe bad theology, I think because maybe uh, some of the things we've read in the Old Testament. And I want to tell you, the Old Testament's kind of a rough area. Am I the only one that's seen that? I mean, there's, there's some stuff in the Old Testament that you go, really? Come on, God, are you serious about that? You know, when God says, go in and kill them all? Well, Lord, I want to spare the babies and the mamas. and No, God says, wipe them out. And, and so in the sovereignty of God, we look at that and we say, well, man, God is angry. God, and, and we quote that verse out of the Old Testament that God is angry with the wicked every day. And, and we all understand that aspect. But when, when you begin to look at the totality of who God is, what you begin to find is, is that God is not some legalistic, horrible dictator who's sitting up in heaven on this throne with this long gray beard and this stern look on his face just waiting to kill you right now come on because that's the way uh, you know a, a lot of people use God as the boogeyman I mean you know it's the same way people do with me as pastor I've, I've watched people and I'll be walking up to them and their kids will be you know just tearing up something or just acting crazy and they'll go you better behave here comes pastor And I want to go, are you kidding me? I'm not the bad person here. Take care of your kids. Don't make me bad, right? And, and so a lot of us have that same concept of God, that God is this horrible ogre that's sitting in heaven. And yet when you begin to study the Word of God, what you find is, is that the heart of God is, is totally different. And, and so today I want to begin this process. We're going to look at it, and each week we'll look at a different aspect. But today I want to talk about that God is distracted. Now that may seem... A little strange to you for me to say that God is distracted. You say, well, he's God. He is in the heavenlies and and he's got everything under control. Yeah, but he reveals to us through his words some things about his character. So I want you to look in the book of Luke, the 15th chapter. And over the next few weeks, we're going to just be taking this chapter verse by verse and just looking at the heart of God. Let's begin in verse number one. It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Now, isn't that a great scripture? I mean, all the sinners, all the irreligious people, all the people who didn't have it together. That, you know, that's a lot of us. They, they came near to the Lord. Now, the the next verse is kind of interesting. It says, and the Pharisees and scribes, but I kind of want to change that up, and I want to say, and Sunday morning people. (laughs) Or or I want to say religious people. Or, Or can I even say, and church members complain, saying, this man receives sinners and eats. I mean, he doesn't just welcome them in. He goes out and eats with them. He's partying with them. 
And so Jesus tells a story. The next verse there says he spake a parable, but really he just tells a story. In fact, the next three weeks we're going to be looking at the different stories that Jesus tells. Look in verse 4. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, and saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 church members. I know it says just persons, but I'm reading. Over 99 church members who need no repentance. Now think about that this morning. The, the Word of God is quite clear. The shepherd's got the sheep. The shepherd is a reflection of God Almighty. So if I talk about God or the shepherd, I'm talking about the same one. And what you find is, is that the shepherd gets distracted. The shepherd has 99 that are good. They're hanging out. Everything's wonderful. But one leaves, and it distracts the shepherd from his job of what he is doing. Now, now the scribes and Pharisees are really like a lot of religious people I know. They don't get it. I mean, they really don't understand the grace of God. They understand the do's and the don'ts. They understand how to give you 49 rules to live by. They understand how to tell you how bad you are. And you know what? Let me just help you. You don't need to tell me how bad I am. I already know. Am I, am I the only one? I mean, you know, when I have totally messed it up, you don't have to come tell me, hey, you've messed up. I know I've messed up. I know I've gotten away from where I ought to be. You don't have to beat me up about it. I'm already beating myself up. Come on, am I the only one? And, and the, the, the scribes and Pharisees, they, they just had no clue of what it was. And, and what the Scripture shows there is that Jesus shows us the heart of God and how that God is distracted when the lost get away. And, and I want to explain something to you today. The heart of God is bigger than you. God's heart is greater than your concept of God. God's heart is more loving than you are. I mean, come on. I'll give you one, two. I might even give you three chances. That's on a good day. But don't start talking to me about seven times 70. Come on, no wonder the, the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. I mean, 490 times in one day you mess up, and God just says, okay, come on. Come on, have y'all read the Bible? I mean, it really is what it says. And, and so there's this whole aspect there, and I want to show you today a progression in the heart of the shepherd, and then I want to show you how that kind of translates and moves into our life. Uh, the first part of verse 4 there talks about when the shepherd loses one sheep. He's got a hundred, but he loses one of them. The first thing is that there is this painful discovery that takes place. He looks around, and he starts counting, and he gets to 99, and he knows that he has a hundred, but one of them is missing. And the lost one that's missing brings out the sympathy of the shepherd. Now think about that for a minute. The shepherd doesn't get angry. We do. 
The shepherd doesn't go after him and starts hounding on him. The shepherd has sympathy for that one. It's as though God is distracted by that missing one. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but, but I'll, I'll just use this analogy. If I've got $100 and I lose one of them, I don't get very upset about one. I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to spend four or five days trying to find that one. I'm going, man, I got 99 still. And, and that's kind of the heart uh, of most people is, well, one's gone. Okay, God love them. I, I hope they find their way back home, but I got 99. And yet, the, the Word of God is quite clear that God gets distracted. There's this discovery that takes place, and He gets distracted by this one. And I'm, I'm just thinking about that, and I'm going, why, why are you allowing this to mess up your day? I mean, come on, the majority is still here. Most of them are still hanging. Most of them are still showing up for church. Most of them are still doing the right thing. What's the one? But the shepherd, God Almighty, is not focused. The scripture is clear. He does not focus on the 99 church members that shows up. He focuses on the one that partied too long last night. He focused on the one who woke up in somebody else's bed today. He focuses on the one that you and I walk by and look down on. And we look at them and we say, man, I can't believe people live like that. And yet the shepherd looks at them and says, it's my precious one. And he goes after it. Verse 4 continues there, and it says, does he not leave the 90 and 9 in the wilderness? In other words, the shepherd, God Almighty, his whole purpose is changed. There's a changed purpose that takes place in the heart of God. I mean, listen, understand this. God created man and woman. He put them in the garden. He did not mean for there to be anything else to happen. He meant for Adam and Eve to live in that garden, to procreate, and for the garden to be the most wonderful place that mankind could ever dwell. But when mankind messed up, the whole purpose of God changed. Think about it. God changed His purpose. His purpose was live in the garden, live in perfection. But because of sin, because of man's choice, God says, okay, now my purpose is changed. The, the, the Scripture is quite clear that God is not satisfied with 99. God is not willing, the Scripture says, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why it blows my mind when people say that the church is too big. How can the church ever be too big? As long as there's one that does not know Jesus Christ, the church is not big enough. As long as the church has not reached everybody that's under the sound of its voice and everybody that's in its area, the church is not big enough. I don't care if it's 100,000. It still needs to continue to reach. The Bible says that he leaves the majority to seek after one. He leaves all the religious ones. He leaves all the ones that are doing good, that are doing right, and goes after the one. And, and I want to explain something to you about that. As I, as I looked at this and prepared for this several weeks ago, I, I began to think about that, and I thought, Lord, you got 99, and if you want to put a value on them, if each, if each of them was worth a dollar, then you got 99, you only lost one. Lord, come on. Th this doesn't make sense to spend all of your time on the one. But watch this. The Lord seeks that one not for its value, but because of His love. 
See, God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son into the world not to condemn the world, but the Bible says that the world through him would be saved. It's, it's not because that you are so great that God's kingdom can't get by without you. It's that God loves you so much that even when you go your own way and do your own thing, that God still says, I want you. I want you in my kingdom. I want you in the fold. I want you in the church. I want you part of what I am doing. That's the kind of God that we serve. But he goes on, the latter part of verse 4 uh, says, and he goes after the one which is lost until, I love that word, until he finds it. In other words, he's not giving up. There is this determined pursuit in the heart of the Father. There is something about God that is not willing to allow you to be lost. No, you didn't hear me. Because if you heard me, you would have said Amen. There is something in the heart of, so I'm going to give you another chance. There is something in the heart of God that will not allow you to be lost. Thank you. When we understand that, we begin to live in a different way. People say, well, Pastor, that sounds like eternal security. No, that's just the word. If you are his child, God is passionate for you. And I want to tell you, and please understand this, the whole world is God's. And so the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. That means everything that's on the earth is God's. So we are all God's children. Now, I'm not preaching universalism, and I'm not preaching everybody's going to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that the heart of God is after the lost. And that's what we've got to understand. And the Word of God says that that shepherd does not turn back until he finds that one that he has gone after. He is willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost. I mean, think about that. Jesus Christ left heaven to come to this earth to die a horrible death on a cross because he was willing to pay that price so that you and I could have life and it more abundantly. I, I mean, there, there is no way for us to comprehend that. The Word of God says that for a friend uh, that one might give his life. But for somebody who is an enemy, nobody's going to do that. And yet the Scripture says while we were still enemies, God sent Jesus Christ and he died for us. And so when we begin to live that and we begin to understand that, it's, it's such a wonderful thing to come to the cross. I mean, think about that. The cross pays the price. I, I mean, isn't that great? For most of us who are listening today, we have experienced the cross of Jesus Christ. We came to the cross. But you know what? It's not enough just to come to the cross. See, we kind of we camp out on certain truths in the kingdom of God. We say, well, the cross, man, the cross. Yeah, the cross is great, but watch. The shepherd did everything that he could to find the sheep, but once he found the sheep, he didn't stop. Once you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, that's not the end. That is the beginning of what God has for your life. And so when you begin to look and say, well, what is God's heart like? God's heart is not vindictive. God's heart is not mean-spirited. God's heart is not so that he can keep you in a box and make you do things. God's heart is he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. God loves you more than you love yourself. 
And for some of you, that's saying something. I mean, but what we understand today is, is that the Word of God says that when the shepherd finds the one who is lost. Now, we, we, we've talked about the first aspect there of, of all the things the shepherd going after. But then the Bible says that when the shepherd finds the lost one, verse 5, just look at it if you still got your Bibles open. It says, and we, when he had found it, when he had found the lost one, the lost sheep, the Bible says he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. I mean, listen, it's the picture of a joyful shepherd. It's the picture of a joyful Savior. Have you ever seen these pictures of Jesus? Come on, how many of you have seen a picture of somebody's rendition of Jesus? And he's always, you know, sourpuss. Or, or he's always doing this. I've never understood this. Right? And, and he's always got this real somber look on his face. And yet, I want to tell you, if you read the first part of Luke 15 there, the Bible says sinners came to hang out with Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something about sinners. Sinners won't hang with you if you're pious and hard to get along with. Sinners, now church people will put up with you. Church people will even say you're being righteous. Church people will make up all kind of things about, you know, oh, they're, they're so holy. Nah, they just mean. Oh, they're, they're so wonderful. They, they must pray a lot. Nah, they just make other people pray a lot. And so church people, we, we kind of, you know, we do all kind of stuff to kind of get them there. But, but sinners, they'll kick you to the curb in a heartbeat. I mean, if you're not fun, you're not going to hang, you're not going to have a good time, you're out, Jack, we're not messing with you. And yet, right? Come on, how many of you remember? Not been saved that long, have you? Uh, some of you still there. No, I keep moving. Uh, but the Word says that, that the sinners came to Jesus, and, and so there's this rejoicing of the shepherd. I think God laughs a lot more than we give Him credit for. I mean, I know I do. By watching some people. And, and I, I think God's a God of joy, a God of happiness. Yes, we understand that in the end of time, I, I know all that stuff. But, but I believe God's heart is filled with joy. And you know what I notice about that? And, and boy, I, I love this when I saw this as I was putting all this together. The, when, when you read that, it says, when he finds the sheep, he places them on his shoulder rejoicing. There is not one word of reproach or blame. Now, come on, don't miss that. There's not one word of reproach or blame to that sheep. Now, think about that. With us, there'd be a whole lot of reproach. Come on, you know we would. I can't believe. What in the world have you done? Right? You know we do. You know we live like that. And, and yet the Word of God says that, and when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. There's, this war, there's a picture of this worn-out sinner and a perfect Savior. Think about that. The, the, the sheep has wandered around and done all the stuff that it can do, and yet the Word of God lets us know that the shepherd just picks it up place it is on his shoulder. Uh, it, it's as though that, that the, the one who has been so far away is now so close. Think about that. 
God is so concerned about you that even when you mess up or even when you just live the way you want to live as long as you want to live, that when, when he finally gets to you, he finally finds you out there in the middle of something doing God only knows what, that he comes to you and he doesn't say, I can't believe the mess you're in. Now, that's what church people do, right? I mean, we see people coming in the church time. I, I, I mean, I can remember, I, I've seen people, you know, we, society's changed. How many of you have noticed that? <laughs> Rest of you are dead. <laughs> society's changed. And I remember when we first, and again, hang on because most of you got one. I remember when people first started getting tattoos. Now, I'm too old to get tattoos. I mean, stuff's already sagging, you know, so I ain't. <laughs> All right. And, and I can remember a situation where we had somebody come in with a tattoo one day, and, and a guy walked up to him and slapped him and said something. Just And I just looked at him like, are, are, what's wrong with you? You know, because the guy's got a tattoo, big deal. It's, come on, it's not heaven or hell. Let's move forward. Well, it must have been for heaven or hell for some of you. Anyway, I'd take that up with your kids. Uh, the, 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 the process is, though, is that the shepherd doesn't go, I can't believe you got a piercing where? I'll just be real. I'll just bring it home to you. I mean, the, the shepherd, the, God doesn't do the stuff that we do. God just bends down, picks us up, puts us on his shoulders, and rejoices because we are now back in relationship with him. I don't know about you, but I am so glad because I want to tell you, even since I got saved, I have strayed so many times. I have wandered off in so many places. I have done so many things, and not one time has God showed up and said, okay, you got to do 400 things of penance. You've got to do all this before I will accept you again. No, he just, every time he gets to me, he picks me up, he puts me on his shoulders, and he says, this is my son. This is the sheep that was lost. This is the one that I care about. That's the heart of God. God. The heart of God is distracted for the lost. And, and verse 5, i got to hurry. But it says, and when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. Well, watch this. What, what he does is, is that he brings rest for the one that is lost. Think about that. He doesn't, he doesn't start beating. I mean, I've just got this picture in my mind. If I got, I got 99 doing good, sheep or people, it doesn't matter. And one of them keeps wandering around. I'm going to borrow somebody's cane. I'm going to borrow somebody's stick. And when I find you, I'm going to get you back, but we're going to have some business. I can't believe you. Right? Come on, how many of you have some animals in your house? I ain't talking about your kids. You got a dog, you got a cat. I mean, come on, you, you know that cat or dog does something in the floor. You I, what, what, what did you do? God doesn't do that. He just picks it up, gives it rest. You know what the Bible says? Jesus said it this way. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from what? Rest from the toil of sin? Rest from the rat race of trying to keep up and trying to do and trying to be all the things that we try to be? And rest from the heaviness of condemnation. All of a sudden, we are now resting on the shoulders of God Almighty. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better place to be than at rest 
on the shoulders of God. Do I deserve it? No. Do I get it? Yes. Why? Because he loves me more than I will ever understand. Let me close with this. Look in verse 6. It says, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. The third aspect is, is that there is a joyful homecoming every time a sheep comes home. And you know what? I want, I want to say this to you. Heaven's joy has got to be reflected in earth's church. Did you hear me? Earth's church has got to have the same kind of joy as heaven does every time somebody walks through the doors and gives their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. Heaven needs to be reflected on earth. The greatest miracle, the greatest thing that ever happens in a service is not some blinded eye being opened, not somebody getting out of a wheelchair and walking, not somebody receiving some kind of a miracle. It is when somebody who was lost now comes back in a relationship with God Almighty who loves them so much that they'll never understand it. And when that takes place, that is the greatest, greatest miracle that can ever happen. And so there's this joyful homecoming. There's this whole aspect of that. And recently I was in a service uh, down in Birmingham, and Chris Hodges is a great pastor, the pastor's church of the Highlands there in Birmingham. If you're ever in that area, you ought to visit that church. It's one of the great churches of America. And, and Chris was telling a story. Chris has uh, several children, but he has an autistic son. Now, this son cannot speak. This son uh, has a lot of trouble just navigating life. He's about eight years old. Uh, and, and one day they were all out. They were on, a, on a, just an outing together, his whole family. And, and you know how it is when you've got several kids. You, you kind of, you know, you can kind of get lost sometimes, right? And, and so they're kind of all out, and they're in this shopping area. It's an outdoor shopping area, and it's got, you know, the stream and all the stuff like a lot of these do. And, and they decided they wanted ice cream. So the whole bundle of them begin to go toward getting ice cream. They get in there, and everybody's excited about ordering ice cream. You know, I want cherry vanilla, and I want chocolate, and whatever it is that they're ordering. And all of a sudden, they look around, and they realize that the, the autistic son is not with them. And Chris said, immediately, we went into panic mode. He said, because this child is not able to talk, this child cannot direct himself, this child could not tell anybody what was going on. And he said, so immediately, we immediately left everything we had, said we went outside, and said it wasn't that we had to, had to take 30 minutes to figure out if we really wanted to go get this kid. He said immediately, he said, I had two children went one direction, two children went another direction, my wife and I went another direction. And he said, we finally found him. And he was over in the corner uh, of this area, and he said he was just weeping because he, he couldn't communicate, and he's just crying. And he said, we all came, and, and every one of them came in this massive hug. As they're weeping and they're crying and there's tears of sadness, but there's also tears of joy because they had found the one who was lost who could not find himself. And I want to tell you, that's the way that we are. We're lost. We're without direction. We don't know what we need. We don't know how that we are to live. But there is a God who will drop everything. And there needs to be a church who's not so interested in what we want and what we desire and what flavor ice cream we want this Sunday. And does it fit us this week? 
but that we come in and we live life day in and day out and we come together on Sunday morning. Not, Lord, can you bless me, but Lord, can you touch somebody today who needs to be found? Someone who is lost can come into relationship with you. And when the church lives with that attitude, all of a sudden we're not fussing and fighting. We're not trying to figure out, is the music too loud? Is it not what I like? Is it not this? All of a sudden it's all about the one who is over somewhere who cannot take care of themselves. And they got messes and they got junk. And they come in with all kind of lifestyle issues. And they don't know the right words to say, and they say things that they shouldn't say, and they live lifestyles that they shouldn't live. But instead of us beating them up, we need to be like the shepherd who says they are more important than anything on earth. I will leave 99 whole ones. I will leave all the church members so that I can find the guy, I can find the gal who is struggling and who is looking for hope.